Eternal Dirtles is sponsored by Patreons like yourself. You can join us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Thanks. Hey, this is Radio Z-A-C-C. We're taking calls on the wish line, making your wacky wishes come true. Hello? I wish I had hypnotic specter, disrupting scepter. I wish I had sorceress queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board with a tim and a 6-4 crawl worm. I wish I had a fat 9-9 so I could attack with it. And then there's tapped, I got instant energy, it's really fine. I try to jam it all the time, every deck I got. And even in my dreams, I can't scheme a way to win on time. Cause you know Colossus is where it's at. I play saddlebags, you play disenchant, so how am I gonna compete with that? Cause when it comes to playing magic cards, I'm always mowing the sick. And in some cases, never cast at all. So I just sit up on the wall, or sit on the sidelines with resin scrub, or get an in-between round mall hot dog. Dag y'all, I never understood that. Why why Weenie gets the top eight, and I lose to some plague rats. I tell him scat, skittles, skabottle. It took five from Solomon's bottle, and now I'm in the loser bracket for not being able to win with June and Jin. It's a shame when you're living in a city in a bottle and the one knows your name. Glad I came to my senses, like quick quick and sick sick to my stomach, and overcometh with thoughts of me and nine nine together, right? So when I cast it, they said two ain't that tight. I wish I had a not expector, disrupting scepter. I wish I had sorceress queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board, and a tin, and a six four call worm. I wish I had a not expector, disrupting scepter. I wish I had a sorceress queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board, and a tin, and a six four call worm. I wish I had some brand new tech, so far I got this rack deck, and everywhere I get laughed at. But when I start off, I'm laid back. I got this hippie in this black nine, turn three, and I feel like that's that. And you wanna know what's really whack? See, I can't even get a swamp, so what you think about that? I heard this trip mine is the bomb right, and factory can swing tight, but really though, got no mana flow. And when I draw my hand, I can't even get a ritual. Well, so many people wanna play type one on Sunday, I'ma have to get a deck and go. I take the one one and tear the five five, fade the game early until the top eight, I'm still alive. Cause it's hard to survive when you're living in the concrete jungle and these gins keep passing you by. Hippie fly, Juden fly, Juden say my, my, my. I wish I had hypnotic specter, disrupting scepter. I wish I had sorceress queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board with a tin and a six-four crawl worm. I wish I had hypnotic specter, disrupting scepter. I wish I had sorceress queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board and a tin and a six-four crawl worm. I wish I had disrupting scepter. Or hypnotic spectre. I wish I had hypnotic spectre. Hypnotic spectre. Or disrupting scepter. Disrupting scepter. I wish I had disrupting scepter. Disrupting scepter. Hypnotic spectre. Hey, I wish I had my way, cause every day would be Friday. And you could even effing him up my way. I will play pickup games. Name my deck silly names like Dr. Discard or Mr. Happy's Very Bad Day. Yeah, you know it's on the real. Cause if you're down on your luck, you should know just how I feel. Cause if you don't want me around, I go simple. I go easy. I go Greyhound. Hey, you, what's that sound? Him to Torak, two cards down. Aw, yes, ain't that fresh. Take three from Rack, cause it works like that. I wish I had hypnotic specter, disrupting scepter. I wish I had so furious queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board with a tin and a six-four crawl worm. I wish I had hypnotic specter, hypnotic scepter. I wish I had so furious queen, I would tap her. I wish I had a tome on the board with a tin and a six-four crawl worm.
Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Golia. Nate, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. I uh, took the day off today. I wasn't feeling wonderful, but uh, I figured we could still do a podcast. Yeah, it's good to get a midday podcast in so that we're not tired. Yeah. So Phil has to work, unfortunately, but he'll be on again when we do another night podcast. Yep. Um, so, uh, let's talk about some old school. That's what I did this week. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great plan. I, all I did in the last week was, was lose in a, uh, pioneer tournament. So that's not really worth <laughs> talking about. No. Um, okay. So, uh, the Alamo city, which is San Antonio, uh, old school group put together a tournament where Mark brothers, who sort of is the face of that group, um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know if there's supposed to be someone else, but there's a lot of cool people involved. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he really um, worked hard on, on making something that like people would come in for, and there he had put together all sorts of um, activities around San Antonio and put together a really cool uh, welcome packet, and we had additional games. So, so this event was in San Antonio at this old VFW hall right on the river. Uh, it's a really cool venue. Um, Second floor, we had the second floor, and there was a bar on the first floor. And we got like welcome packets, and there was you could flip a falling star and get points, <laughs> and then you know, record how many points you got with the falling star. I don't remember how that turned out. There was multiple raffles, it was to benefit a, uh, a veterans group, um, which I will try to find now because I probably should have looked that up. I mean, it was cool that they did, I just don't remember exactly which veterans group what they were called. Um, uh, American GI Forum. That was it. Okay. It's, yeah. So it's um. So that that was how we got hooked up with the VFW apparently, and uh, they did raffles for it. So we must have sent them a decent amount of money. It was about, I think it was twenty five dollars to enter. Plus, I mean, I bought four raffle tickets. They were five bucks each, and you know, I think most people bought about that many. So you're looking at another um, twenty times fifty at least. I'll get another thousand dollars or so from the raffle. Um, and then they, then, uh, they also had other, other things going on with like, uh, you know, like we had prizes for the most baller decks. We had prizes for the most interesting decks, uh, spicy decks. I could say those were altered cards that said either baller or what, content. Yeah. I was going to say what, uh, what constitutes a baller old school deck all black bordered. <laughs> I, I think alpha power was a big, uh, okay. was a big, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the thing Flex. that could be past the post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Someone had miscut power apparently, which I haven't seen, which I didn't see. Um, but yeah, so the so the baller card was like a fireball that said baller in like pink glitter. Nice. And then I forget the spicy cards were, but they all said picante. One of our someone uh, we know from Austin got one of those spicy uh, prizes. In fact, I forgot that they were giving away spicy prizes, and I so I just kind of played a normal deck, which kind of sucks. So I would have would have been cool. I, he had gave away a Bowie knife that was like inscribed as well that he had had made. I forget what that was for. Yeah, <laughs> for Bowie most knife. most like Davy Crockett. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> most... I, uh, there was so many. There was so many prizes and recognitions being given out. I forgot most of them. <laughs> oh, I didn't forget most of them. I forgot that's, a few of them. That's how the um the uh, the managerain uh felt like there was just something going on every single round. Somebody was getting something. Oh yeah, I mean like a lot of there was a ton of raffle prizes. I think that was like five drawings every round. Um, I I came up with a CE Winter Orb. Sick. Um, uh, my friend Stu got like a pretty cool altered uh, either unlimited or beta, but probably unlimited Dark Ritual. 
Um, we can't tell because of the uh, <laughs> because of the altar. Oh, yeah. um, and there were some other cool cards that were given away. Um, but yeah, so I've got you know a CE Winter Orb now. Um, so that you know that sort of goes over what happened at the tournament. Mark booked a uh, booked a food truck, which gave us a lunch break, which was nice. So we basically like played the first round and then had a lunch break. So basically, let's let's go over the day. Yeah. So about eight thirty, I left my house. I decided to drive everyone because. Um, I lived the farthest away and I was like, I'll drive. I'll just, you know, leave the carpool and load my minivan up and, uh, stopped. And we picked, I picked up, uh, my friends, Stu and Rob at Stu's house. And then we picked up, uh, Brian hockey, who uh, was on the podcast. Uh, he lives in South Austin. So, you know, I looked from way North of the city, picked up Stu on the North side, picked up Brian on the South side. And we went off to, to San Antonio and, so um, we were talking about our decks on the way in. Rob actually has a pretty cool deck. It's unpowered, but it's all foreign black bordered, uh, like mono black. Ooh, that's pretty snazzy. So it's like the mono black deck, but it's like the most baller possible version of it, ironically enough. Um, just, to, just to reiterate, this was not a scrying uh, tournament, right? No, no, this was... Oh, I should have said that, yeah. It's, uh, it was Eternal Central Rules. Okay. So... Um, you know, C is legal. Most printings are legal if they're in the old frame and the old art. Um, Fallen Empires is legal, and it's four strip mine. Okay, that's a big um, that's a big delineation. So you can look those uh, between up on that and Atlantic. Yeah, Atlantic has one strip mine. Eternal Central has four strip mines. Yeah, that's the that's. I the, lost you the for big, a second. Yeah, that's the big difference. Is that is uh, four strip mines in one and and uh, one in the other. Yeah. Well, most, yeah, I think Eternal Sun is the only one with the four strip mines. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, Rob uh, played that mono black deck. Um, I was playing a Bant Land Tax deck that you saw a little bit of when I came yeah. to New York last. Um, and it was basically like pretty, it was pretty straightforward mid-range deck for old school. Um, you know, just a lot of value spells that exist, you know, and most of that's efficiency more than value. But my big thing was the card recall from legends, or you can discard X cards and return X cards from your graveyard to your hand. Um, I really wanted to get that off with land text and then had land text and Sylvan library. Um, I added an ivory tower. I thought they were, unre- I thought they were restricted, but it turns out I was just remembering the actual rules from 1994 <laughs> and not yeah, the current true. 94 rules. Yeah. So I could have played more than one. Um, but I didn't play any counter spells because I don't have any counter spells of any kind except for like power sinks and spell blasts that are 93, 94 legal. Oh, yeah. um, all my counter spells are like from uh, like Ice, Ice Age. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I don't have a mana drain. But that, so I just played Psionic Blast because I thought I kind of wanted to play Psionic Blast because I've never played it before and it's always been a card I've wanted to play and never had a chance to. Um, the fact that, oh, Mark was allowing, I think, 10 proxies. So I was able to play like uh, the blue power. I'll, all of my all of my um, mana power that I have is is uh, the four non-blue moxes and a lotus. So um, I had to play. I was able to play blue cards because of the proxy rule. Nice. Um, and I thought the deck like if it operated it went pretty well. Otherwise, it could get you could get kind of just like flooded out. Um, but I didn't really have a better idea. I wanted to play it, so I rolled in with it. Um, and the first round was against the, like essentially a mirror, which was kind of funny. Oh, wow. 
So mirror. the deck, yeah, it was a mirror. It was like bant cards. <laughs> like I was playing bant cards, and they were playing bant cards. But I was I lost the die roll and had uh, Library of Alexandria on the draw uh, in my opening hand. So um, that really like so I just basically like got the library online. Um, it lasted a few turns. I had I, I drew some moxes so I could like you know play spells that were up the curve, even though I was trying to stay at seven cards in hand. I drew my Ancestral. I basically, I, I ended the, the, the game with so many cards in my, in my graveyard. It was crazy. I wish I had taken a picture. Um, and then uh, in the second game, um, my opponent played a moat, but I just had like such a better engine going that I could just draw my way out of it. Um, I won with Surrender the Freets and like burning them out with Psionic Blast, which is cool. Um, so it's just funny to play like literal, almost literally the mirror, except I had land tax and they didn't. So I think that made a big difference. Like land tax is really busted. <laughs> if it works, it's, it's insane. Oh yeah. Land tax is definitely busted. There's a reason why that card was restricted at one point in standard. I mean, it is basically like suspend one ancestral. I mean, you still draw three cards, right? Even though they're, they're they may all be basic lands, but like, you know, they're not in, then they're not in your deck, <laughs> which is yeah. a thing that yeah. matters. And you're shuffling your deck for free, um, which means something in a world where you're playing Sylvan Library. Yeah, it's just very few uh, shuffle effects. Um, so round two was against a deck that you'll see sometimes in old school tournaments. It's like a mono green, I don't want to say stompy. It's stompy in the original sense, not stompy in the current ancient tomb sense, where it's just like, Spew out your hand and then, you know, kind of have something that pushes you over the top. Um, so you'll see a lot of, like, small, like, you'll see a lot of mana elves and small green creatures that make, you know, tap to make bigger green creatures, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very light on land, but there's stuff like, I think it's got a full four Pendlehavens. The big thing it has is the giant is a giant growth and berserk, and that's how I lost. I multi-five in game one, and they just had, like, a, more cards than me, and those cards were giant growth and berserk. And then in game two, I actually started on on the play with Mox Pearl land tax, which I thought was just going to win. But I was like, well, they have to play a land, right? So I go Mox Pearl land tax pass. They play a land. I can trigger the land tax, um, then play the Sylvan Library. You know, basically all I needed to do was not get, like, wiped out. And I had Swords of Plowshares and stuff in my hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a Surrender Befree, and then I played an Urnum Jin, and then my opponent, over the course of two turns, maybe even the same turn, played Tranquility to kill both of my enchantments and a City in the Bottle to kill both of my creatures. Jesus. So, yeah, that really hurt. I, at that point, I had, I think I still, I might have still had the Disenchant in my deck, I probably still did, um, but I had boarded out uh, i had two savannah lions and like three argothian pixies i think that's what i boarded out um not all of them but like i think i was down to just like a couple of the pixies like i I didn't really have any threats i could play into the uh into the city in the bottle except for like those and mishra's factory so uh yeah i was i eventually they just like i think they killed me with a land war elf and a pendlehaven from there because i just had like nothing relevant to do it's tough Um, in a so a quick question uh was the city in a bottle a proxy? It was a proxy. So that's, yeah, that's the thing is I feel like when you're in a proxy format, 
it's just so easy to have those sideboard cards in your deck. Uh, and you're, you're, especially Sedina Bottle is going to be so useful against the field that uh, yeah. you almost want to not, not be playing into it. Well, I had forgotten it existed, which did <laughs> Um Another thing is, too, like, one of the, the City in a Bottle calculus in old schools that everyone wants to play, Surrender of Free, yeah. and Erdom Jin, and Library of Alexandria, and Bazaar of Baghdad, and, yeah, like, Kurdave. So, like, it's sort of, like, mutually assured destruction. This deck is, like, uniquely set up to play around it because there's not really any cards it needs to play. It can play Urnum. Um, but it doesn't even really need to do that. Like, you know, cause it can play like spitting slug and just get through with something like that or land leeches, even like these sort of like, you know, bigger creatures, you know, and then can place it and they can buff them with, um, with uh, giant growth and all that stuff. So, so this deck is like uniquely positioned to get yeah. a city in the bottle down. You know, um, it's funny. There was a real slug theme happening at the beginning of magic, huh? What, with, like, Spitting Slug? Spitting Slug, slug. Land Leeches. Giant Slug? Yeah, Giant Slug. Um, There's a lot of slugs. I don't know how many slugs there are these days. Tackle Maggot? Tackle Maggot? That's a maggot. But I guess I know what you mean. Just, like, creepy crawlies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to... Now now I'm thinking about more creepy crawlies. (laughs) I don't know if Rock Hydra counts. Um, (laughs) It's not really creepy. Uh, so round three was against Mark, the tournament organizer. He was playing rug. And so like, this is actually pretty funny. It's one of those situations where it's like, like he doesn't, he definitely doesn't have a city in a bottle, <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, so he's on Arabian uh, so, aggro, right? He's on Arabian aggro. Right. So it's like, basically like we're playing pretty much the same deck, except I have source of plowshares and land tax and he has chain lightning and like, I guess like, you know, Red Elemental Blast, Shatters, stuff like that. You know, he's got, like, Lightning Bolts and stuff, right? So I basically just have to sort of, you know, manage the board and then try and get a, get ahead on life, which means that Psionic Blast isn't great. Yeah. Even Surrender isn't great, but I don't really have a better idea. I did I did have two Spirit Links. So I forget exactly how the first two games went. I know it was 1-1 going into the third game. And I had an Urnum on board, and Mark, um, unfortunately, he must have been a little mana screwed because I had four lands in it, or four mana sources in an Urnum, and he had three mana sources and tapped them all to cast Time Twister. And the Time Twister drew me into a Spirit Link, Time Walk, and Regrowth. Oh, God. So, yeah. <laughs> so he played like a land and then a Mox and passed back, but like there's no way he could get the Urnum off the board. And, like, so basically I was just free to go, like, Spirit Link, Urnum, attack, time walk. On my time walk turn, regrowth, time walk, attack, time walk again. Uh, and then, you know, that was the end of the game. Like, it's like a 24-point life swing. Yeah, so so much. I think I think it was like, I might have even been over on the th- third turn, if I recall correctly. That that third turn I can roll. It was probably one of the most, it's one of the most broken sequences I've ever done in Magic. I think just because of, like you know, how insane it was to, you know, you know like, re- like regrowing time walk against no board presence. Yeah, it's it's, it's so bonkers. Like, you don't even realize how good it is until you're just like, wow, that, uh, this that just ends the game, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, time walk is, I mean, time walk is so interesting 
in that so many times you just cast it on turn two to do something. Yeah, right? you're just playing basically a growth spiral, you know? Yeah, but getting that extra attack step if you can really, really helps. Yeah, it's a game changer. Um, okay, so two and one next round is was against a, an interesting deck that, like, I just never really could get my footing against. So I would say it was like an Esper Artifacts deck because what happened in game one was that they, like, played a couple lands... And I played some guys, or did some stuff or something. And then they played a Mishra's Workshop, and I was like, oh, that sucks. And then I got Triskelion or something, like some huge artifact creature yeah, um, that could just, like, mow down the board. I might have had, like, a Savannah Lions even or something like that. But it was it was Esper Colors. I, don't, I, those, I know they had Demonic Tutor. So I think it was basically just, like, Esper for, like, de- like literally Demonic Tutor balance. Um, Swords of Plowshares, Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, like, that was it, you know? Yeah. So, in the in the first game, that happened. The second game, I, like, was like, okay, I'm gonna hold up this strip mine for, like, a Mishra's Workshop, but he just, uh, like, played, like, eight dual hands and then started casting stuff, because I was, like, I just couldn't, like, find enough pressure, so I lost. It was, it was kind of a frustrating match. Um, in that, like, I had... I had a bunch of lands from the land tax in my hand and I had a Sylvan library, but I kept seeing more lands. So I'd shuffle and then I'd see more lands. And what I really needed was recall because like my graveyard was stocked full of stuff. We had like had some sort of early fight, you know? So I had like used, I had like an ancestral a disenchant, a swords of pleasure. It was like, okay, if I can just find recall off of my Sylvan library land tax, I could probably just like exchange in my hand for my graveyard and win. Except so he went like, he mind twisted me for my entire hand. I was like, well, this is all lands. And then that turn I drew the recall. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually I hit it on top. And then on this, this next turn I like, so I had the Sylvan library still. So I like drew extra cards so I could recall back some of the good cards. Okay. And then he cast a brain geyser for six. <laughs> oh, that's and bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I really just needed to like, yeah, it, that sucked. So I got like, 12 for two or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's buried. Like, yeah, I just got buried. <laughs> like, it was just like one turn too slow. So that happens. That's magic. So it's two and two. Next round, um, I don't remember exactly what I thought she was doing um, when I kept my hand, but she played a turn one land soul ring howling mine. And so I, draw, I drew two cards on my first draw step, had a bunch of moxes and just one. <laughs> Uh, I was not playing around anything. I had no idea what I thought was going on. Um, so I don't think I, ch- I don't remember if I changed anything. In game two, it turned out that she was playing um, Titania's song. Okay. And that was the plan. So she had like a bunch of artifacts um, to turn into creatures and attack me with. Um, but I was like, my deck just sort of like punishes that a little bit, I think. Like, it's got, I've got, like, small, I've got, like, efficient creatures, you know, got, you know, a bunch of removal. Their, their artifacts can help me as well, you know. Like, even Winter Orb, like, didn't really bother me that much. Yeah. Because um, I had, like, you know, Birds of Paradise or something. So, um, I might have just played a turn two Serendib in game two, and that might have just won the game. So, uh, but she told, showed me at the end that was what it was, the plan was, was Titania's song. And then I sort of understood what was going on. Um... So three and two last round was, huh? I don't actually remember what I, what I played against in the last round. Now, 
it was supposed to be a seven round tournament, but we uh, we were going we went over our time. Oh uh, wow! That we were allotted, so it ended up being a six round tournament. So they could then announce all the winners and give everyone everything before they had to, to clean up. So that kind of sucked. I did win the last round. I don't exactly remember what I played against though. It, oh, I remember now. It was it was like Urnumgeddon. It was like a, another white green mid range deck, and I just think my deck operated better again. So. So I finished four and two. I was pretty happy about that. Um, would have liked to have figured out something in one of my losses. You know, like I was, I was at that point, definitely at that point where it's like lost the last, we didn't have the last round. And then I was looking back at my losses, sort of like, I bet I could have like found a way if I had thought more about it or mulligan yeah. better or something. So that, I mean, I wasn't like down on it because it was a ton of fun. Like it's a ton of fun to play old school. All the decks are beautiful. All the people are really nice. You know, you're having a good time. It's at this great location. Um, so that was great. Um, other the other people in my car. So Rob, who played the the all black bordered mono black deck, was five and zero oh going to the last round wow. and finished five and one. So he he topped eight. He got the top eight prize. Stu uh, played um, Land Tax uh, Lands Edge. Uh, nice. So he played a white red that yeah classic and also finished four and two. Um, <laughs> Though every time I looked over at one of his matches, he just had like seven basic lands in his hand and couldn't do anything. <laughs> Apparently, all the other games he was winning because he was four and two. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I realize I like can't beat anyone once they like get over thirty four life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's a problem. Um, but uh, so they went four and two, and Brian Hockey went four and two as well, and he also played a land tax deck. Uh, so we brought a lot of land taxes. Though the only one who the person with the best finish played just like unpowered mono black, like the most efficient deck in the format, and um, solid yeah, deck. Yeah, we went uh, whatever seventeen and seven as a car. Is that correct? Yes, that sounds about right. Yeah. So um, so it was it was great. Um, our one of our other friends who was from Austin who drove down separately um, played a deck he called Walls and Pingers. Where it's basically just like he's gonna sit behind all these walls and then just like ping people. It's like a mono white deck, and so we had like Rod of Ruin and Witch Hunter, and he'd like Witch Hunter is actually pretty sick. Like if you read it, you're like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Like if this sticks in play, like it's pretty good. Um, he did not do well, but he did win a he did win a Picante prize nice. for being spicy. Um, and oh oh, I have a controversy we can talk about. Okay, but um. But I don't know if you want to. That's it about best really it for the tournament, and then we can talk about this other thing. But let's talk about. I have a lot of fun. I fucking I fucking love old school, man. And yeah. this, in fact, this controversy is gonna is is why I love old school. So in old school, there are no draws, right? Correct. And you go to orb flips, right? If you go to time, you're supposed to go to orb flips, and whoever hits, you know, if you go to time tied, rather, right? Correct. A player in this tournament interpreted that rule differently. He interpreted it as there are no draws in old school, therefore any draw goes to orb flips. And so he played divine intervention to force a draw. The draw gets replaced by orb flips, and that decides the game. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's horrendous. And I and I was like, "That's clever. I really like that." I like that rule. I like that quite a bit. And most of the people I was 
uh, in our car was like, no, that's not the rule. The rule is that there's no draws in matches. In games, you just go to zero zero one and you go on to the next game. And I said, well, no one told him that because I was look, I was five minutes into because I at the first match he was next to me, right? And I'm looking over, it's been like ten minutes, and they're at orb flips. I'm like, how is this possible? He said, oh, and he points to the divine intervention. And I was like, oh, I sort of put it together real fast. But someone said, in old school, though, there are a lot of game draws, potentially, because you can earthquake both yeah, players, of course. hurricane, if, if, free, pestle. These are all played cards. Like, you could force a draw pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? I think, I, think, I think that should be the rule. I think any draw should go to orb flips to decide the game. I'm into it, mostly for flavor reasons. I think that's totally okay in old school. Um, I think it's... It's also like who builds that deck? Like, sure, no one. You are you really that good at orb flips? Maybe you are, but like, divine interventions, like what? Like six mana? It's eight mana. It's eight six, mana. It's six white white. It's so expensive. So if you can pull that off, sure. Why not? What about? But what about if, if the person is very confident in their orb flipping abilities and they use earthquake? I I agree. I think that's still fine. Like, I think so too. I, I've never, I have not seen a draw from an earthquake in game one or two. So it's like one of those weird things, right? How often does it come up? You know. But you could theoretically just be like, I'm going to practice orb flips, and my goal is going to be to force every game to a draw, and then go to orb flips. I mean, as a guy who lost every one of his orb flips in the last uh, old school tournament I played, I think it's fine. I didn't get to flip an orb at all. You're not missing much. <laughs> I <laughs> practice too because I'm so bad at it. it. Well, I mean, you gotta there's like you gotta like figure it out, right? You gotta learn like the way to get it to flip and everything. I, I, I don't mean, know. You would think I'm, a guy playing stasis would know how to at least deal with a tiebreaker situation, right? <laughs> you know? But that's a oh, is there is there each player? No, there's not. And each player draws X cards. Um, I don't know. I kind of I was thinking about draws in general, right? And like the shoot. I think about the shootout in hockey, and a lot of people hate the shootout. Yeah. You know, but the point of the shootout is like the game's over. Like just just end this game. You got to end it somehow, right? Yeah. I feel feel like it's probably too like too easy to force a draw, um, in like modern Magic to have some sort of draw replacement rule. <laughs> but uh, but it was I thought it was a cool idea. Plus you are it's not like you just win. You know you could still lose. Yeah, of course. You know what's funny is it, it would it would be funny to me to see that as as a way to deal with tournament coverage. Because <laughs> I. I despise draws, man. I don't like the concept of, like, getting a point for a draw. You see people stalling, like, constantly to, like, try and make that, you know, make the point for for the draw. I hate it. I think it's the worst. I, I Honestly, I think you should get no points for a draw. Like, if you draw, both players should get no points. So, I think it would be funny to do that on, like, uh, on, like legit Magic coverage. Um, but the way they're moving with Arena and stuff like that, it would have to be some weird, like clicking thing or something yeah and that has all sorts of there's all sorts of accessibility issues with anything like that which is i don't know like i i don't think there's i can't think of a thing offhand i'm only just now thought of you know a thought of it um you know as like an idea for modern magic but it is cool and there's no draws the other thing you could do is have three points for a win (laughs) you know so three um, points for a win what you three points per match win, one point for a draw. So it incent- you would gain you gain more from winning. That's how it works now. Oh right, I'm thinking of hockey again. 
Damn it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> like, that's literally how it works, Nate. That's literally how it works. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of hockey. No, I hockey think that having ha- rewarding people for, for uh, drawing, which is basically just wasting everyone's time at these larger tournaments, is is stupid. You should you should play as fast as you can, uh, you know, without try you know, without making mistakes. And once time is called, if if we're at time and you're in mid attack, sure. It should be just this player finishes up his turn and that's it. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder um I wonder what the impact would be. I mean there'd be there would be some problems because then people would just stall to like make sure that their opponent didn't get their last turn. There's there's so many problems. I think the only thing the only way to fix it really is a chess clock. Yeah. And that's yeah, there's a controversy in that. There's too, no obviously. way we could think of a fun way to resolve magic games when they go to time. <laughs> like there's just nothing. There's nothing that's like sufficiently like you can't be like like height. Remember you used to cut your deck and look at the bottom of your the yeah. bottom card or something like I mean, I think huh. that uh, the each each player should be handed like a, a Game Boy, and you have to get through the first level of like Super Mario World. Actually, you know, Eric Eric Virgo <laughs> recently moved to Austin, and he has been playing. He has been experimenting with Pi Gao Magic, oh, okay. which is where you get where you draw like you have a stack, right? Mm-hmm. And you draw fifteen cards. Each player draws fifteen cards off the stack, and you assemble five three card decks, right? And the deal is you get progenitus mana every turn. So you get two of each colored mana every turn. Um, every turn cycle, it resets, right? So, and then you have to, you, you set up your decks and then you like pick one of your opponents, your opponent picks one of yours and you play against each other, right? And it's like, you start at five life or something. And that means you play a game and you're like, I've benefited, you know, this amount of mana. The game takes like 30 seconds. So you do that times five times. It takes like a couple minutes I wonder if that, like, I wonder if that would, that's, it's like, it's not quite a shootout. There's still, like, skill involved. Mm-hmm. Like a Pai Gao stack in every tournament to decide. <laughs> Maybe that's even more time consuming. It's probably more time consuming. Oh, but it would be so much fun. But I'm trying to think of, like, a thing that's, that is, is, you know, about your skill. Because I agree. I, I don't know. Like, um, I've, I've very rarely played against a person that I was like, this person needs to move on. Um, in a lot of play against and, but there are lot. some <laughs> there's because you always you always get stuck in the dirtily bracket um, yeah. but I don't know but it also could be that my, my tolerance is higher for waiting you know or something like that I, I know there are certain players uh, Julian Knab is one of them who have, who has said that people play way too slowly in general um, and I'm you know I'm sort of agnostic to that fact I don't really I, I can't say that I feel that I, I, I only, but I do experience the like the rounds over on you. Like, what am I what, just standing, standing, standing for forty five minutes? Yeah, right? it's like you want to go Waiting. get lunch, but you you're, you're like, oh, maybe the tournament will all be on time, and then you turn around forty five minutes later, you're like, I should have eaten. Should have gotten lunch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's 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 uh, too bad. I, mean, I guess my point was the the, thing, the controversy was more about whether or not that should be the rule in old school. Still, that the rule in old school would be extended to game draws, which I I think it should be. I, I mean, think the, that adds, the other rule think, before that was the Armageddon clock rule. What's the Armageddon clock rule? Uh, so before the flip rule, I always played uh, uh, in old school with the Armageddon clock rule, where there is just a untargetable Armageddon clock on the table at time. The beginning of your draw step, okay. 
Hmm. So Armageddon Clock does what, Zach? Uh, so every turn you put a counter on Armageddon Clock, and each player takes uh, – I think uh, the active player takes one uh, damage equal number of counters, right? At the beginning of your draw step, Armageddon Clock deals damage equal to the number of Doom counters on it to each player. So if it's like – Each player, okay. So each player um, would probably trigger on each turn. So like the thing comes into play at the beginning of the next draw step because you put the counter on at the yep. beginning of upkeep. So at the beginning of the next draw step, each player takes one. At the beginning of the next draw step, each player takes two. And that ends the game relatively quickly. Like you've got, you've got to figure it out. Like either you're going to win or you're not. And I realize that doesn't favor a deck like mine that plays a non – you know, uh, a non-life-based uh, uh, win. But I think that was a fine a fine way to end the games. Well, one of the things about Orb Flips that's cool is that it doesn't require... It, like, it's... um I'm sorry, it's separate from what kind of deck you play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no matter what kind of deck you play, it doesn't matter. Yeah, right? I don't think I don't And, that, think and that's, the in, that's the shootout in hockey, right? Yeah. The shootout in hockey is the same thing, right? You know... I guess in some ways, like, favors <laughs> if, the goal. Like, if you have a great goalie yeah, or something. Yeah, you better have but, a good goalie. <laughs> well, I mean, some goalies are not good in the shootout and they're good in regular play. It's it's a thing that happens, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why, like, you have to have some sort of separate game. I, I mean, you can, I was, that's why with the Pi Gal thing, I was like, I couldn't think of a way that you could um, use the, the, the cards in people's deck to make a sub game that was any good. Um, because like, you can't be like, everyone starts at five life, pick your best three cards. And then one person picks like mountain bolt bolt <laughs> and the other person picks like, you know, land, land counter spell. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, I, I think one, uh, another way that it could be done in, in real coverage is just to make them play rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, I know. It's, it's one of those things where uh, the draw thing in, in general is, is a real pain in the butt, right? Because the there's the... Well, I don't know. A well-fought draw. That joke about like a tie is like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. If I can say that anymore. A tie is, a tie is like kissing, kissing your, your family sister. member. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and so like that sucks in a way. But on the other hand, like you know, it's a timed game, and sometimes you had the right to play it out. You know. Sure. And, I, and I've been in a situation where, like, I felt pressure to concede, even though I felt that I had a right. I, I would rather, I would rather like, finish as a draw than, like, feel like the social expectation is that one concedes before they were sure they were going to lose, right? I think, I, but I think if, in, in a world, in that world, both players should get no points. It should count it as both, a win for, uh, for both players for tiebreaker purposes. And neither player gets points. Yeah, maybe that's just the best way to do it. And maybe going to, and maybe you're right about like maybe it's just time to stop going to turns in general. Like, what is the like it going to turns favors what kind of deck? Like a super aggressive deck? No, it, it, a deck that draws more cards has more options. Later in the game, you have more mana. You know, you're going to be able to make more decisions, and if you get a lot more time to do that, because that's what happens during a draw, is they really slow it down. Um, you, you know, you were you were hurrying up the entire game to like get to a board state that like would favor you in a in a draw state. You know, it's interesting. I was cause I was thinking there are definitely times where it's like the first two games took a long time, and you're like literally starting game three 
with like a minute on the clock, right? Yeah, but and in that, in that situation, it favors the deck that's that's going more to aggressive. put a bunch of stuff into play. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't, you. I don't have a metric on it. I don't have the numbers, but I think more often no, than I not, think... uh, what happens is you get to game three has been being played for about five minutes. Um, both players are going as fast as they possibly can, and you're on like turn five or six, or you're just in a grind stall board state. Yeah, I um. Well, well I guess like I, I think you're right. No, I think you're right about like it doesn't favor anybody. The five turns necessarily. If it, it favors, I'm sorry. You're, you're, what you said was it favors the person with the longer game, and I and I wasn't thinking of it from the same perspective as you. But you could the, the case that could could be made either way, right? Yeah, oh, so, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and, but, and we like, also but have if it doesn't to think favor about, if it doesn't favor either player, then we could just get rid of it. And, and, and we also like, have to think about uh, you know. What about in game two where someone's trying to get the win so that they get the draw? Yes, or you game know? one, and then in game two they're trying to get to a draw so they don't have to win two games, Yeah, which is which is possible. I mean, you could play a 20-minute, half-hour game one, and then yeah, oh, yeah. a 20-minute, half-hour So, I mean, that, and that's something to take into consideration, and I, I haven't, and I don't know what you would do in a situation like that. Flip a coin? You know, like, it's <laughs> they don't like that. <laughs> No, you, well, you don't. They don't like that for it's a, yeah. They don't like that for a number of reasons, which is essentially that's gambling, right? So, um, is it gambling yeah. though? It, isn't it just flipping a coin? <laughs> it's a game of chance instead of a game of skill. That's sort of the thing. That, yeah, but you've played a game of skill to make it to that game of chance. I I, I refute the game of chance uh, logic. I think that uh, it's not well, gambling. You, you, you your, know, your 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 problem is with case law. It's not with uh, it's not with sure, the but it's, it's, right it's just, it. it just comes down to like they have to find a way to um end end a end a match. And I think that if uh if you just went time has been called the round, anybody who still has magic cards in their hand gets a game loss. You know, is one way to do it. You know, like just it it would make it. It's not an all altogether great feel, like feel good, right? But it would make tournaments faster. Um, you would be able to enjoy yourself a little bit more during the day because you're going right back into another game instead of like, you know, okay, it's it's round seven, it's 9 p.m., and you have a whole day of playing tomorrow to do too, you know? Like, Grand Prix are the worst for that for that reason because you're just sitting there. Like, you get done fast sometimes, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you, and then you look around and you see this table where there's 45 people staring at these two guys and they're milking <laughs> it for friggin' everything. You know, it's like none of you guys are on coverage. Just play the game. The judge should make sure that everybody gets out of there. You know, like the, the judge should be like, everybody get the fuck away from this, this table. You're making it last longer. You know, like that, that sort of stuff drives me insane when I see it happening at a Grand Prix because it's like, this is not the place for that. Well, I think that I, I, I mean part of you know the, the, the hamming it up and showboating for like a crowd that's attracted is is, is just like that's a different that you're right it's true like that people start Hollywooding it because they like they're like they've attracted a crowd and hey you've attracted a crowd of 25 people that's probably the, that could be the most people you ever play in front of so why not have a little fun with it but even you know of course all those people hate you for <laughs> taking yeah. so long everybody's Unless waiting on oh, these two jerks point. you know. Everyone's, it's also the kind of decks that tend to go to time, which which is a thing that it needs to be considered, where there's a lot, they're just you know decision dense or whatever. But it's it's interesting too because we thought this was gonna be a short cast, and now I'm actually really interested in this idea of ending matches <laughs> because and, and the, for for a number of reasons. One is like 
if you think about the different ways magic is or can be played, right? So if you think about like playing a infinite combo loop on magic online, right? You are sort of discouraged from doing that, right? Because you can't like your opponent is, you have a chess clock, right? And your opponent doesn't have to scoop to you putting splinter twin on a deceiver X card, right? Correct. They can just sit there and make you kill them. And that can, Yes, you they could you could say like, well, I could just make them, you know, you have to do the you have to do a lot of calculus if they're letting you do it. Like, do they have an answer for 20 creatures? Do they have an answer for 45 creatures. Like, you don't know what's what's going on necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. Um so you have to sort of and that that sucks. Um but, you know, uh, playing an infinite combo deck in paper makes the matches go by faster and because a lot of time you just like it's a, it's a plus B and that's the game and you demonstrate the loop and then the person has an option to respond. Right. Yep. So, and that's it. There's just um, not a copy paste button on MTGO. That's the real problem. <laughs> right. But then, the, okay, let's think about, like, just think about another idea for, um, you know, of, of, of like, so that's a situation where it's like, okay, you can't really do it. On, you can't do it on magic online, but magic online is a, a place the game is played. Right. Mm-hmm. And similarly, let's say like the orb flips thing, like you can't do that on magic online, but that's a place the game is played. Right. Yep. Um, so like it, it's, it's it, it, in paper though, there's, let's say like an EDH game, right. Where it's untimed. Right. And the way the deck construction rules work is that someone can take a turn that goes on for like 45 minutes. Right. It's, it's, it's oppressive. When it's that oppressive. Happens. That's why I don't like playing EDH. Yeah. Because I you never know what you're signing up for. Um, but like, like, what if all you need is an EDH level turn in paper to all of a sudden, like, you know, have that be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, high tide exists already, I guess, where that's, you know, close to non-deterministic at times. And you see, you, you could see high storm counts, right? If you want to play it out, there's shuffling and untapping and physical physical activity, right? I mean, this isn't to complain about anyone playing high tide. It's, I'm agnostic to the deck. What if high tide was really good though? Might be the question, and everyone was doing it, you know. Yeah. So, like, um, I guess, I guess, like, my point here was just was just this, was that you've got this game which has like a number of things that you can't really account for in every tournament, in every tournament, in a, in a competitive tournament timed competitive environment, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's really what it comes down to. A lot of people like the fact that a, a competitive tournament just because we, we talk the most about legacy, we can just talk about legacy. A lot of people play Delver. Why? Well, you get to the games quickly and the cards are all good and you know what they do. And there's no, like, there's nothing weird about it. You know, it's just make a guy, stop them from doing their things, kill them. And right now that's usually the best thing to be doing. Right. And also in, in, when you lose, when you are losing, you can scoop your cards up knowing that you don't have any outs. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, like they got nine lands. Like, you, like I've got daisies in my deck. Yeah, I'm out of here. Right. So, um, there's that. Right. Like, there's a so there's already a bias, but it's not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that such a deck is the best deck. Mm-hmm. It just is the best deck based on the biases that people have towards playing competitive tournaments. And you know, I'm not trying to get all space age here and say we should make these changes or considerations, but I would like to see now that we've talked about it, something done. At the end, about the end of the game, about the end of tide or long matches, because I'm with you now. I'm with you. Like it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's, it's a bad look for the game. It like it, it's it's one of the main reasons why coverage is terrible to watch. It's why they've switched over to this uh, like eight 
eight-player, 16-player tournament structure because they can control that much more easily, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think another point to be made is, like, the point I was the point that's interesting is I was like, well, if you're, like, going to do this, it's going to affect people who like to play this kind of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, there's already a pl- plenty of structural reasons why people who like – why people who may enjoy playing a certain kind of blah, blah, blah don't get to play it at its, at its, at its like, peak, you know, vacuum-sealed, you know – uh, what's the word like a, like a hermetically sealed like environment where everything goes perfectly all the time, right? Yeah. Like uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just and now I'm sort of <laughs> I'm sort of thinking about like huh, like you know maybe th- we we don't have to do this just because like some people like to play slow decks. Like you like to play a slow deck, that's the risk you're running, right? And to make bring it all back around, like if they, if the, if if this interpretation of the old school rule was to be adopted and said that any draw regardless of which goes to orb flips and you want to build a deck to exploit that you better hope you're the best orb flipper or that you don't you don't have an off day or something like that right yeah i mean you're 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 making you're you're making a calculation based on that and i think you're you're what you're saying is that the penalty the 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 penalty for making calculus that this deck might go to time or draw a lot isn't high enough to discourage it at a high enough level such that yes um, that is exactly what i'm saying yeah um Cool. That was that was fun. I, I enjoyed yeah. that thought experiment quite a bit. <laughs> we went in on that one. That was good. Yeah, um, so I don't have anything else to really talk about. We're, we're playing vintage this weekend, and I'm playing Ox of Agonist and Bizarre Baghdad in my deck. So I'm really happy. Um, I built a practically singleton tainted pack fastest Oracle deck on Legacy in Legacy today. <laughs> so I'm going to play that on Magic Online and see if that does anything. What about yourself? Um, I think possibly tonight I will go play. I, I'm trying that Lotus Field uh, Breach deck in Pioneer. Oh, jeez. Been, been playing a little bit of Pioneer, so I'm going to try. I'm trying that tonight. Uh, and uh, I, I don't have any real plans for the next like couple of weeks. I'm just like kind of laying low and, uh, you know, trying to save money after this, after the trip that I made. <laughs> oh, that's right. You just got back from Europe. I forgot, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah. I was sick when you got back. How does this deck win, this Underworld Breach deck? So uh, you thought, uh, sorry, you Tome Scour yourself. You basically uh-huh. cast a Wish, like Fae of Wishes, to get Tome Scour. And then you Tome Scour yourself. Uh, uh, but basically you get out two Lotus Fields through like Thespian Stage Lotus Field. Uh-huh. And you cast Pour of the Pages, which untaps two lands, draws three cards, and makes you discard a card, right? So you net Jeez. one mana every time you cast this, and then you're basically able to mill out your entire deck, um, and then you can just cast off as an Oracle, or you can Fae of Wishes for Jace, and that's that's how you win. All right. Because <laughs> it's weird, like it's a Storm deck, but there's no Storm. There, yeah, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It looks it looks like a fun deck to try a couple times, and there's nothing in it. Like some versions play like one dig through time, but aside from like Underworld Breach, which is pretty insane, there's nothing in it that's inherently broken that seems like it would get banned. Yeah, and I think the, <laughs> like Pioneers got some time with Breach. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we talked about it last week a little bit. I just kind of feel like we have time with Breach because I don't think enough people are going to play it, even though I think it's by far the oh, best. Oh, I'm, go- I'm going to be trying it out soon uh, because my buddy Richard has uh, Lion's Eye Diamond, so I'd like to see how it works in Legacy as well. So um, The answer is you just win. That's it's really good. good. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm yeah. into it. I, I think that's a great, a, a great plan to be on then. 
Um, I'm I'm sick of playing fair decks for you know a couple of weeks. Yeah, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> All right. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, l- uh, real quick, I wanted to thank uh, Sam Tilly uh, for uh, joining us on the uh, on the Patreon. Oh. Uh, if you, uh, if you, uh, are interested in, uh, supporting us, it helps us, uh, with, uh, you know, fees, getting the podcast out on time, uh, music, uh, you know, it just overall helps, helps us keep the cast going. Um, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash eternal dirtles, uh, that, and you can pledge there. And if you pledge over, uh, $20 in the course of your lifetime pledging with us, we get, we send you a t-shirt. Um, we're going to get some merch up pretty soon and, uh, very soon, uh, we're going to have, uh, our, our, uh, album. So it, it, money you give us towards, uh, towards Patreon is going to help produce that album that much quicker. Um, so again, thank you to Sam Tilly, uh, our newest, uh, our newest Patreon. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's it for us tonight. Yep. That's Today, it. Today, I should say. It's, it's two. Three o'clock almost. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's three <laughs> o'clock for me, two o'clock for me. Anyhow, right. uh, have a good have a good week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you. The worst ever design year out of Wizards was 2019 with War of the Spark and Modern Horizons Silly Food Tokens Mystic Forge finally broke Mishra's Workshop The worst ever design year out of Wizards gave the static abilities on Planeswalker cards a one-sided Null Rod a free 8-8 Legend and a Ley Line that got whacked in a brand new format sure believed in their hearts they were helping by pushing the characters in their story arcs so they stopped after like five minutes of testing Oko and moved on to the fake playtest cards and even though Cyrus won a GP with Storm Red and Six somehow made Legacy worse and this was how cards got sent to the bandless while you could still buy them in packs when you punish your players for playing your game, don't expect them to thank you for give you. The worst ever design year out of Wizards. Didn't even get the fixes right. Ban true name.